A wise man once said, "What's up? What's Gucci? What's Louis? What's Vuitton?" And if you don't think that's a brilliant way of kickstarting a conversation, then I don't know what to tell you. So instead, I'll just skip on to saying welcome. So glad you could join us, and I hope you enjoy today's episode because I have a feeling it's going to be very interesting. So sit back, relax, and this is note to self. We are here to fight for change in our city. We are the Johannesburg Junior Council. So today's note is all about navigating the private school experience as a black child. Its implications culturally, socially, academically, and the whole thing. And I say we not because I'm talking about me and you, the audience, but because I'm lucky enough to have a special guest with me to discuss. Lumza, hi, say hi, hi. <laughs> I'm How are you? I'm good, thanks. And you? That's good. Uh huh. I'm glad I could join you today. I'm so happy to have you, and I have with me today, as you've just heard, one of my dearest friends, Ashlemen Zwakali, because I felt like she'd be able to contribute, I guess, not only to this episode but even the whole series really meaningfully. And I mean, let's face it, because she's quite the activist herself, and I love that about her. And I also thought it would be nice to have another opinion and not have people have to hear me like yep, 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 all alone for once. So, like, yeah, guys, it's gonna be. Fun. We have future Miss SA and future Oprah <laughs> in the building all at once. <laughs> and I mean, I guess we're both pretty versatile, so we'll let you guys decide who's who. But while you do that, I think we should get into business. Shume, yes. would you like to say a few words? Give your own intro, maybe? I'm Ashume Mswagali. I am Tando's friend, as she said, and I'm just excited to be here with you guys today and just discuss some things that we don't really dive into. So I'm excited. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad so am I, dude. Ah, so where do we begin? I mean, being black is like a big balancing act itself. So when you mix it like with other things like private school or I guess predominantly white spaces or whatever, like anything that really requires you to, I guess, assimilate, like it becomes a whole other mission. And I think that's what we really wanted to convey or touch on today. Yeah, that whole split personality thing that black kids have to do to like validate their existence into opposing worlds. Yeah, we definitely deal with a lot being a minority in these institutions that we go to. And of course, just being split into two different worlds like you feel stuck between the two so it's very complicated yeah I think like for us it's fairly easy to understand because like you know lived experience but I think we should like get into specifying like what that whole split thing is or what I guess makes it feel that way okay I'll definitely um so I've been to private schools all my life I don't know any others so when you're in that space, you basically caught between two worlds because it's either you sacrifice yourself to fit in because these institutions aren't necessarily built for us. You sort of have to sacrifice your blackness in a way to mingle with your um, be accepted. Yeah. Yes, just to be accepted. And of course, it's hard because then when you go back home to your black family, Yay! I don't know, that's a question. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because... Now you're this coconut or you you just see mm. that you, you're not one of them. So where do you fit in? Because you're not included. Yes, black you're enough. Not, yes, you're not black enough and you're not white enough. So where exactly do you fit? Oh, dude, yo, that's such a heavy chat because I can like personally, I guess, attest to that. Because even at school, this whole thing of like, 
public speaking or what what whating or even just like fitting in at school that whole thing of like trying not to be too ghetto or too black or whatever yes. which is actually such rubbish because regardless of what you do you get judged we can get into the yes. boys and stuff later but then already that I'm trying to like balance of I guess true to myself while fitting in enough and not being too much of anything for anyone you know and then yes. I go yes. to I think my mom's ch- side of the family is more chilled yes. um I think they definitely didn't have the same experience but I think like it's not that deep there like it's still all good vibes but yes. I'd say my father's side of the family which I'd say is a lot more traditional um it seems to be more of an issue there and like else it's a very public platform but I'm gonna like put it all out there and I think it's kind of built a little barrier between I guess my brother and I and my dad's side of the family a little not my dad but like the other immediate family because it's like we get there and we're the kids from Joburg who like barely ever visit like Kosa is on 60% like hanging on for life but the English is like so verbose and 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 to them it seems like you've lost touch with yourself and so it's very difficult for them to understand that you also just want to be one of them so it's extremely difficult to be in that space because we deal with a lot and as you said we really like there's no yeah there's you you don't fit in anywhere and I think with um it really depends which type of family you grew up with so Mm. you also find that it depends which side of the family that you're on because for me it's it depends where you are like I've been called all sorts of things by you know, by cousins, I will be like, oh, my God, you're like an English chicken, you know, because you... <laughs> you know? Yeah, I shouldn't be laughing. That's so awful. <laughs> but it's those things because it's like they don't see you. They see because they think you're boasting or you think highly of yourself because you speak. Because you got opportunities yeah. that they never did. Yeah, exactly. I, I get that. I, like, And then so you, now you're stuck between being grateful for where you're at in life and also just trying to... Being- yeah, and feeling bad for it. Yes. Like, it's it's actually really funny because it's like, I guess, as black people, we worked so hard to, like, cannot we? Like, our parents and whatever generations had to do it, like, yes. worked so hard to, I guess, afford us these opportunities. But when we get them, it's still, like, not enough. It is. There's still some kind of, like, backlash we're facing from our own people as well. And, like, even outside of, I guess, a school sense, even just, like, socially, like, when you don't speak your language that well, whatever the case may be, and you go to, like, the ladies packing, um, the cashier ladies at, like, what's it, spa, wherever, and, like, if you don't respond in whatever language, or if you're, like, I I can't hear what you're saying, like, the looks you get, yeah. The looks you get, you're basically an outcast. Mm. and um being like and I think that's what really we struggle with because you just um being stuck between two worlds it's not only about being an outcast or being stuck between but it's also now you're trying to figure out what do you where do you see yourself and like yeah and what do you value what do you value and you just want to make sure that you're in the right position and you want you don't want to be someone that you're not so mm. it's, it's very difficult because it's like a back-to-back conversation in your head. You're like, okay, so now 
how do I fit in at school and make sure that I haven't neglected my black roots or culture, which, mm. yeah, it's definitely difficult. That's what I was saying. That whole balancing act, dude, like it really, really is. And these are like all the silent battles that people don't see us going through. Exactly. And then we have problems, like, and then we face problems at school. So we see ourselves fighting a lot of battles regarding racism. And mm. you also want to, like, steer away from the idea of being known as the angry black girl. Cause Entirely. That's literally what's pasted on you as soon as you start fighting those battles. The second you, you open your mouth for anything, oh, why are you touched? Oh, yee, yee. Definitely. Then you become this, like, over-the-top liberal, like, you just too much you can't handle a joke you can't take anything like literally this one time um we were at the tuck shop right and uh, i never know what happened but i basically said something right i was like you're not like i'm just not in the mood today it's okay right and then this dude um i'm not gonna say who but let's let's call him uh hmm Call him a fruit, like apple. Oh, yeah, let's call him tomato, right? Okay. So tomato, like, says something, and I'm like, like, I, I don't have any patience today. And then this dude's just like, oh, no, 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 are you going to get touched? You always get touched over everything. You're always crying and complaining. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, me being sick and tired of being sick and tired is such an inconvenience to you. Definitely. They do see it as... You take everything personally, which is difficult because you watch them make jokes about your existence. Mm, and you're expected like to constantly. Take yes, I I think one thing we both agree on, and we've spoken about this, is the um, taking black features to use them as comedy, such as mocking of accents, mm. and it really like cuts deep because you're like, these are. It's not because my family that has this accent once just because they've been previously disadvantaged and they didn't really you know get to they didn't get the opportunity yeah that's what irritates me about the whole black sin thing as well and like this is something that people engage in all the time but what irritates me is the fact that like they look down on even that stupid message on the group asking if the minister had um a matric like People will be so quick to question the competence of black people because of that accent. But unlike the people at school who are busy like talking, yeah, ha ha ha, they don't they're not at liberty to like switch it off. Yes. When they go for job interviews and get looked down upon and have like little people like half their age asking, Oh, are you even qualified? They exactly. can't just switch that accent off and go back to the privileged way of sounding, you exactly. know? And it's 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 really sad because we are often the butt of jokes, you know. Mm. We've seen it throughout history from Sarah Batman to everything that we've just been, our existence. People often take the comedy and um, we often, we joke ourselves about these things and I always say, like, South Africans, our coping mechanism is humor. It's humor, yeah. And, but I think it's, there's a certain point to it because I feel like our scars are ours to poke at and mm. so nobody else has the right to take that away from us so if you yeah. feel like that's how we cope that's how we cope but I don't expect someone who's in a privileged position to use to be those. using humor to cope with my scars you know exactly. like yeah, yeah. I, I really do get that <clears throat> so <laughs> I think we we definitely go through the most yeah dude, entirely and like the thing that I think 
makes it a little worse is the fact that like it's an inner turmoil type thing like Definitely. I couldn't be bothered to remember it exactly, but in drama, there's all these different levels of conflict that you see on a stage. I'm going to apply that yes. personally now. But like that whole thing of like man versus self, man versus God, man versus society, whatever. I feel like man versus self is the best way to, I guess, like categorize it. And it's really intense because no one's holding a gun to your head, but at the same time, they might as well be, you know. Like this thing of if I want to make it far in life, I have to like appeal to the masses and in such like a, I guess, westernized society, that is the way that I can advance myself. But it's at the expense of myself, you know? Definitely. It's our parents take us to these institutions so we get we can get ahead in life and we can Mm. get opportunities when we finish with school to be able to say that you went to an institution that's westernized and was more expensive it does give you a bit of a head start in life so and that's what our parents do is they take us to institutions to be able to network with because we go to school with ministers kids and you know yeah it's that where the opportunity yes where the opportunities are kids of ceos and so definitely if you if you associate yourself with them then you do have a better chance at getting things in life because our lesson in South Africa is not about what you know but about it's about who you know and entirely how, yeah definitely yeah just in, I didn't even think that applies here only as well like anyway yeah. it's more about opportunity than like obviously the work you put in is important but that work means nothing if you don't have that opportunity to capitalize off of it make something of it you know exactly so and i think that's what i i we struggle with is because it's either if you don't go to this institution then you like who are you yeah and it reminds yeah. me of a conversation we were having with a guest speaker um the other day on council and he said how, like, he's made it now, like, Forbes, Africa, 30 under 30, like, yeah, Melbourne, Rebecca, I think. Like, wow. Anyways, and we asked him about the difference, I guess, in experience, like, selling a South African tech space in America. And he was like, the funny thing is that South Africans aren't equipped to, okay, yeah, I know this is getting a bit off topic. Yeah. It's like South Africans aren't as welcoming of failure as, That's like, other true. nations are. That's true. And, and yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting. It is because so that's what I'm saying. That whole like need of having to send your kid to this expensive school and 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 is probably fueled from that thing of I can't fail here. And we're in competition with ourselves, you know, amongst each other as mm. people because you everybody is just trying to get ahead. You know, our basically our economy is like to the ground. It's the mm. pits. and so everybody is just trying to make a quick buck trying to get ahead in life and so that's why we when we don't want to make mistakes because we don't have the opportunity to make those mistakes yeah and i think that also stems into that thing of judging other people who got the opportunities that you didn't because like it's a matter of everyone for themselves you know yeah definitely and that's it's really difficult because we haven't really dealt with what's our emotional pain as a country and I think Mm. once we start dealing with those things then we can get into we'll be in a much we can get into the it happened so long ago conversations when we like choose to acknowledge it now
about the JJC podcast experience. Bringing you the content, the stories, and the insights. We aspire to empower the voice of the unheard. All right, we're back. And I think the next conversation we'd like to dive into is this whole idea of teacher bias. Now, I guess that's a pretty umbrella term for it. But what it really is, I think, outside of this whole thing of labeling things, is just the difference in, I guess, experience from like primary school to high school yeah you know if that's something that we can both relate to I know I mean sorry I can't be you like I've gone (laughs) to public schools Uh, my whole junior school experience was public school the same one actually and then only from grade eight did I I guess go to a private school and there's been a difference but I, I don't know what to tell myself because I'm like is it just the age thing or is it actually an environment thing, you know? I think, and, yeah. At least for you, I think you've got to experience, like, the different Both. worlds. But I also feel like, I think they, we have different concepts of public schools. So, like, there's public schools and like, as in, like, township, and then we have public schools, like, you know, um, as in they good institutions, you know, they white kids go to them. It's just... I will. It's a fact. <laughs> no, but like, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get better what you're saying. funded than the government schools in the townships. Do you get yeah, it? I was gonna say. I think <laughs> that's how you differentiate. So there's um like public schools. I don't know if this is an actual thing or if this is just like the association in my mind. But I know there's public schools, which I think like kids doesn't even count. But kids, um, Parktown, Parktown Girls, Northcliff, those things, and then. <laughs> Government schools, I think more John or high school and 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 okay, that that might have been problematic. I actually don't know if we that don't was know the difference, say, but you get what I'm saying, yeah. No, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. You want to start over? <laughs> Your people are probably listening like anti private school kids think about yeah, this. Let's, yeah, we can just <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can just jump over that, you know, skip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the whole I guess teacher thing, so the difference in experience, yeah, there. So yes. I think it might be an age thing, but like there's times where I've picked up on racism. Like I can I can pinpoint race incidents, not even let me say microaggression or whatever instances in like primary school. But like yeah, it's like where the big boys come to play, you know. Definitely. Like in high school, nobody has any shame. But like mm-hmm. in primary school, there were little things like. I remember my one teacher because, and I think that's also the difference. I think it might be a mix of both the age difference and like people themselves. Because in public school, I guess everything was leveled out by like class or economic status, you know? Like, yes, there's black people and white people. And yes, there's the differences in that itself. But then also it's not like you're dealing with rich and poor people on top of the racial aspect. Mm -hmm. So it's more... We're all like, in I the guess same, neutralized. Yeah. We're all in the same arena, you know. Yeah, and I think there's like a more diverse pool in public schools. That's why I'm not saying the racism isn't as bad, but I think mm. at least there's less problematic students, I'd hope. I don't know. But from me, like all my primary school friends, even now, like I, I can't I mean, I can speculate, but I can't pinpoint anyone the way I can in my high school experience and be like, yeah, those ones, like, raging racist, you know? For me, the one instance that has stood out for me throughout my school career and one that I feel guilty for not really taking up was, I think I was in grade five, 
Mm. So I'm in this like school, okay. So we used to go to camps, we you know, like camp and stuff. And so when we went, um, so it's the day before camp and we're all planning, what are we going to pack? And so one of the activities were water activities. And so we had to bring a swimming costume. And so mm-hmm. one of the white girls goes, oh, I bet all the black girls are going to wear bikinis. And I was oh, like, wow. what is she trying to say about us? And apparently because we're forward, we like things. We were just these wow. big personalities. And so I was like, at such a young age, are you going to tell kids? But I was like, okay, she was our age. So I was like, okay. And then we went um, to camp. When we got there, there was a lot of racial tension. The black girl split, the white girl split, and we were just fighting with each other because we were upset because how do you box us like that? Mm. And then I think we told our teacher what happened. Oh, we didn't want to play a game. We wanted to play netball. And the white kids wanted to play, open the gates or something. And either way, there was just a conflict. Yeah. And clearly our teacher came to us and was like, What's going on? So we told her where our aggrieved like why we're aggrieved and why we're upset. And she was like, Oh no, you guys are blowing this out of proportion. And then she made us go play cards with them as a piece, like as like shoes. Wow. And I was like, as a teacher, I expected her to step in more and be yeah, present and do something. And then I think what's really, really annoyed me was like a few months later or sometime during that year, um, a, wh- a black guy had had a crush on a white girl. And so when we told her this, we're like, oh, like the guy has a crush on you and he was one of our friends. So obviously we're trying to like convey this message to the girl. And she goes, oh, I'll never marry a black man because I don't want zebra kids. Wow. And coming from an 11-year-old, that's quite concerning. Guys, so, where do you learn language like that? Like, Definitely. So, Jeez. And then when we tried to bring that up, we were told that we were just projecting and that we need to just calm down. Not everything's about race. And wow. when we got to high school, um, the same school, something like so the racial tension was getting very tense, okay? Tense. <laughs> Good tense, good tricky, go wow. Good tense, good tricky, go wow. And so the black girls, um, we made a complaint and we stepped forward. And our headmistress, I actually really commend her for how she dealt with that. Mm. She sat us down. We had like a conversation and she just basically let us cry to her what happened. Everybody was in tears and we just spoke mm. about our experiences regarding race in the school. And so that thing from grade five was brought up with the girl. And so she was finally taken to, like, was taken, was made accountable for it. But three years later, first of all. And then when it happened, they said there's a timestamp for, or away, because it was three years ago, she's changed, whatever, right? So I kind of understood, I was like, okay. So three years ago, she might not have been this person that she is now. And then I think what really set me off was when one of her friends came to me and was like, I heard you guys went to report so-and-so. And I was like, 
yes, we did. And she was like, I don't see anything wrong with what she said. And so you really see how these thoughts are really ingrained in people's minds. They're really, like, engraved. Like, people see things the way they want to see them, and there's no change in their minds. So that's where I think I became defeated to a point about race. But also now I'm more inspired as I get older to To speak, speak up. To speak out about these things because I don't want my kids to ever be in situations like that because truth be told I have they have every right to be in that institution as much as you do Mm. so nobody should be trying to level up against each other do you get what I mean so yeah as equal as you are because I pay the same school fees as you and I'm here and I have every right to be here yeah I did that's Definitely what frustrated me is like, I pay the same school fees. I'm not here on charity or anything. So you need to start seeing me as a person and not undermine me because I'm black. Mm. So definitely what I went through, that's what I went through. Sure. Okay, yeah. (laughs) That's intense. But at least you had like the right mind and right people around you to speak out against those things. I think... If we went on about like dodgy experiences, I have lots of stories to tell as well. I I want to get into something like pretty dodgy as well. Yes. So I think I've got two things. One was at not necessarily the tuck shop, but like the the other one, you know. Okay. Um, and then another <laughs> was <laughs> yeah, and I mean. then another was the grade eight story. Okay. Anyway, so I think the like one instance where I I I, I genuinely didn't know what to do or say you know yes. um was when we were at the tuck shop buying lollipops so mm-hmm. as this whole like oh you're a disappointment of the black person conversation goes um the ladies at that tuck shop used to kind of hate us like this is before you were here dude like in grade eight those ladies wanted nothing to do with us wow. like they were so like ah at us and they were mean and rude like the white kids would get so like whatever and then us like They'd make a point of like whispering about us in the neck until one day we were like, sisters, we can hear you. Like, what? And they were like, oh, and in your teta, you guys can Ooh. speak. And we're like, yes, like, what? So it was just this whole thing, right? And <laughs> we ended up like making right with them. So some of them have been shuffled around, but like now the relationship is great. I get there sometimes, I order in Benak, like, I ask the sissy how her day's been going, blah, yes. blah, blah, right? So it was one of those things. We'd gone there. I think Tiana was with me. Ooh, I shouldn't be saying names, but whatever. We said oh. it now. So um, a friend <laughs> was with me. And um, what happened now? Oh, so we're ordering lollipops, right? They used to sell these lollipops for like two rand after school, like any time really. And we'd always like buy. Like you'd get to school with no money and you'd go home having had like five lollipops in that day. Oh, so literally, huh? Uh, at school we are very generous when it comes yeah to, yeah so I, I get that too yeah no do you have cho- coins like that chat yeah like, it's like no one cares about coins but it actually does a lot like i remember this one kid used to go around asking people for like two rands and literally he'd make like 30 rand in a day or something like it's <laughs> it's actually such a plug but um anyway so we ordered our little lollipop thingies right and as we're paying um, this other lady who I think owned it at the time came and took over. I mean, I think she moved and they fired her now, but it's someone else, which is great. But still, so she comes. Then she's like, oh, I'll take over it. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And we're like, oh, okay, thanks for interrupting our conversation. But sure, like, hi, man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, formalities. So then, like, she gives us um, our things and she's like, is that it? And we're like, yeah, like, 
we just came here for the lollipops. And she's just like, you know, it never ceases to amaze me. And at this point, we're all like, what? And she's like, no matter how much we educate you, you'll always go for the stock suite. Oh, wow. Dude. Yay. When I tell you, like, I, I didn't know what to say. I was like, what? I was like, sorry. And she's just like, no, like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it really, it really is interesting. And she laughs and gives us our things. And I just stood there for a moment. And I was like, do I say something? And I was like, I look over to my friend. She's also like not registering. So then I was like, okay, like, sure. And I remember like, this was grade eight. So I was still like a little one at that time. So I'm like, whoa. I'm like, like, what just happened? That is So I think like, based on stories that I guess inspire us to speak up in future that that would probably be one of, one of those yeah I we really deal with a lot I guess with because people aren't held accountable for the things they say and so it takes like we have to really push for things to happen even when we hold people accountable so yeah. I think that's something we struggle with is because we're constantly calling people out constantly fighting I've been to more admin offices in my high school career than I shouldn't have because I'm busy trying to fight a fight. That shouldn't be my fight. It should be a fight that we're past. Do you get exactly. That? And I think even if it's a fight that we're currently engaging in, the reason there's so many angry black girls is because there's so few structures supporting that fight, you know? Definitely. Like, we're the ones constantly making noise and trying to hold people accountable mm. and advocating for ourselves and our experiences. And it's seen as we're the ones with an issue because we're the ones speaking out about it when really we shouldn't have to be the only ones. Definitely. You know? We really are the ones. And then it's, it, it gets really difficult because there are some people who don't want to get into those things and because those conversations are heavy for them. And so sometimes you feel like, your own black also this thing of, sort of give you up. They're just like, no, it's just chill, leave it. And that's where I get personally, it, it really hurts when I try to speak for a fellow black student. And, and they're like, no, it's okay, it's, it's a joke, that. it's this, it's that. Yeah, yeah I think that's it another really issue. Is that deep. As well, yeah. Like there's been so many times where I've wanted to jump into things, but it's also a matter of picking my battles. Like, I'm trying to balance, like, doing what I see fit and not trying to create a reputation for myself, you know? So, like, there's been times where, especially for the black boys, I want to hop in. And not even for the sake of them, but for the sake of myself. Mm -hmm. Because their transgressions, like, affect us as the black girls more, you know? Like, when they let their friends say nigga, when they let people make jokes like this, I'm like, that feeling stops being a joke when it gets to me. But it's a joke for you, so I must put up with it, you know? It's that whole inward chat is like a whole conversation because now there are people that aren't supposed to say the inward and they come say it to you and I will question why are you referring to me as that? And they're like, no, a friend of mine gave me a pause. And when you Dude, start I tell you something so it affects the whole black race when you're giving pause yeah. to half of people. I don't want to ever give a friend of mine a pause 
to call me a derogatory term. And so I don't expect your friends to come call me that. Exactly. Even on an individual basis, like, why is your friend, like, black man of the century? Like, why are they speaking on behalf of an entire race to give you, the one outstanding white person, a pass to say that word? And, like... There's this one dude who posted about it on Instagram. I, I, I pray to God it was a joke, but even if it was, like it, it made me feel like some type of way, dude. Because um, it's like this little photoshopped placard type thing. And it's like, um, thingy, the honcho has been given um, an N-word pass by this guy and this one, co-signed by blah, 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 blah. And oh, I'm like, no. you guys joke about this and then you'll be the first to jam J. Cole when he says, ah, oh, white people don't respect us, busy calling exactly. us niggas in the streets, they'll be like, ah, oh, bars, bars. But what are you doing with your friends? Exactly. Like, it's, it's those little aggressions, micro, it's the microaggressions that really build up because they, and, and by the way, these kids leave high school. Varsity is a whole other world. You're not going to be sheltered and protected by people when you do these things. You will be held accountable. So yeah. it's really alarming that when they're in high school they because everything's in a bubble and so everyone's protected and then when you mm. go out into the world it will really be a shock someone will slap you into your mother's womb dude if you say things like that just because your friends laughed in high school it's not the same in the real world exactly maybe. definitely yeah um and then another thing like speaking of i guess being seen mm. i'm i don't know if i think i told you the story like a few days ago but, like, I think I might need a second opinion again. The class yes. captain thing. Okay. I, I took that kind of personally. And it makes me, I guess, question the deeper issue in things. Like, seeing as to how, like, to my knowledge and the knowledge of, I guess, everyone I've asked. I don't think our school has had a black head boy. Mm. Like, we've had deputies, but we've never had a head. And in my time there, I've seen plenty of people who could have filled those shoes. Yes. So, like, don't get me into the whole prefect system as a whole, but from <laughs> even what it is now, there's people yes. who are eligible for that. And what it says to me is that the school doesn't recognize black men as leaders, you know, like in the highest degree. Because, yes. of course, deputy is great, but, like, the face, the actual main head, I would like to see a black dude there so hopefully that changes in our year but I, I have no idea and it just got me into that whole conversation and the whole grade 8 thing um, where we had class captain voting and Sir just picked someone a white girl as who he said stuck out to him as a leader and mm -hmm. literally people created a fuss this one dude was like no we didn't vote for this the whole class was like we didn't vote for this it's not fair can we please have a proper vote then so it was like okay we did a proper vote. I beat this chick by like four people. And so it turns around and lies. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys tied. So I'll have so-and-so um, speak to you and give you your, um, not class captain, man, what's this thing? Oh, let's just call it class captain, actually, yeah. This class captain badge and have it like done right, blah, 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 blah. And I think I admit that that hurt me because I really like, I guess, like, creating a good reputation for myself you know exactly. like I actually do try I did my best like I wanted that position but sir wouldn't even think twice about me and it means that those efforts did something if the whole class could recognize that I was the one they wanted to vote for you know 
Yes. And so it was like, no, I see this white girl who's fairly good at academics. She didn't even interact with the class. Like, she really did not even interact with the class. Yes. She had, like, one best friend. And that was it. But that's who's going to be recognized as a leader yeah. first and foremost. And I think maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it was really disheartening. I can imagine. And even in general. And I think this man in general just, like, jailers me, dude. Because even this one time, they needed to hand out, um, what's it called? Like, little slips for the high school expo or whatever happening, the career day. And um, he came to our Afrikaans class, right? My rich teacher. Comes yeah. to Afrikaans class, and then he finds me, and he's like, oh, okay. He's like, see you here. And I forgot what he said. You can ask um, Tembi. I'm just going to say names. It's okay. Yeah. Um, you can ask Tembi. But, like, he, like, had me low-key. He said something like, oh, yeah, I'm always, like, late or disorganized or whatever or what, 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 what. And I was like, like, what was the point of that? Like, it was literally in front of my entire class. And I know it's just bands because we've got a pretty good relationship. But I was like, so that was so uncalled for. And I said so. And then it's like, no, I'm just kidding. And he's like, actually, it's good that I found you because I forgot to give your class this. Could you please find everyone and hand it out for me? And I jumped at my opportunity, hey? I was like, oh, so I can see where I get my disorganization from now, hey? I was like, look at you. Then now it, dude. Like, it's me and you now. But we're in the same boat. Yeah, and I was like, we are the same. Of African time is so annoying because <laughs> I don't know how you box a whole race into being not no not punctual. Not punctual. It's it's, it's really. Yeah, I kind of fight it. Like I I hate the fact that it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier. This whole thing of like, um like being able to pick and like poke at our own scars but if someone else does it it's like no like yeah, you're, you're not coming from the same place of experience exactly. because i'm like so if a white person were to like tune me african timing i'd be like first of all sir shut up second of all shut up but yeah. if i'm like oh yeah like oh my family has no concept of time because they really don't like it's it's different you know it's different because we it's our it's our bruises to poke at and theirs to keep away from. Yeah, and I think it comes from, like, I guess the surety of intention. I know that when I say jokes like that, I'm just saying it out of, like, experience or to make light of something that actually really irritates or bothers me. But if someone who's not of my race says that, what it feels like is you're attacking something and I can actually never truly know if it was just a joke or if it's something you're repeating or if it's the kinds of things that you say or jokes that you make to reinforce whatever underlying negative opinions you already hold, you know? Definitely. Of course. And I think that's why it's, it's just that whole idea of it's when I point it out, it's okay because that's my fight. It's my struggle. And then, yeah. yeah, it's there's actually this poem I um I read, um it was about hair though, and it was about a white girl complaining that blondes don't really or no gingers like you know um red haired people, mm. um have a hard time, which I acknowledge they struggle, but they basically this company had um compared their struggle to the struggle of a black woman no man and it's like people compared jewish people to black people and i'm like guys this lady said something so deep she said because black people can't have anything for themselves not even their anger and so everything 
wants to hop onto that train, I guess, where, you know, and yeah, the me because we deal with that. What's it called? The, the like, privileged Paralympics or oppression Olympics. That's yeah. what we came to call it at debating. Definitely. But yeah, sure. And that's really intense, dude. Like, I feel like that's where the whole nigger thing comes from as well. Like, black people can just never have anything for themselves or any kind of recognition or, like, reparation for the past, you know. All we're allowed to do is be thankful that it's over and move on. Definitely. Definitely. Because dwelling on that makes other people uncomfortable. It's it's really messed up, but, yeah. And um, there's... Yes? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I was definitely agreeing to that point because it's, 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 it's definitely a struggle that we still have to overcome. But hopefully mm. we'll heal from these things one day, you know, there'll come a time. Yeah, and I think one of my favorite things that's, I guess, applicable in many senses is you can't heal from things you refuse to acknowledge or feel. Exactly. And I think that's, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. We need to start even, that's why I have such a problem with the whole Rainbow Nation phenomenon because Mm. until we realize and we recognize our past, South Africa will rainbow that we are not a Rainbow Nation until we confront those things. It's like a part we took a Band-Aid and we covered our wounds and we said, and expected that to fix it all. Exactly. While that wound is infected now and it's time for us to actually rip that band-aid off and actually like clean it out, you know, put some dental. Like, yeah, you know, and stop putting the ointment on, like putting in the work. Yeah. Yes. There's but no way that something so awful could be dealt with so like swiftly and comfortably. I think people often confuse this whole thing of something being like, I guess, made illegal with it being made right. Definitely. You know? Like the same with, I guess, slavery, emancipation meant the end, supposedly. Like yeah. just because something ended, it doesn't mean it like undoes yeah. centuries of mistreatment. Exactly. And I think the second we start to make distinctions like that, like you said, and actually addressing those wounds and realize the rainbow, it's not a rainbow. It's, it's really black and white right now. But yeah. we can add those colors, you know? Exactly. Like what a, what a lame statement. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> We need to stop seeing color, and that's what some girls yeah. it, and it really stuck with me is we need to if you see my color, you see me for who I am. If you say you don't see color, then you don't see me. It you doesn't help anything, yeah, definitely because that's what and that's very true because that's what creates those like misunderstandings of, oh no, like this can't be valid because you start applying it generally and not looking at like the historical context, you know. Yes. Like, oh, Jen, especially that's what makes microaggression specifically so tricky because it's one of those things where you could argue, oh, this was just me thinking like this. You can try and justify it, but at the core of it, you, you're refusing to acknowledge the racial aspect of it is what makes it a problem. Like the H&M thing. Exactly. How everyone's like, no, it's not racist. I call my little cousin monkey. Yeah, because he's white. Exactly. Like there's no, there was no Masa or whatever busy calling them a monkey back in the day as well. That's why that makes that okay. True, and so we yeah, need I'm getting to start, into like different features. Yeah. We definitely need to start seeing color even in our institutions. We need to accept okay, you're black, I'm white, and that's okay, you know. 
we just and how do you cater towards that yeah exactly how do you see me for my struggles and respect that i'm coming from a disadvantaged past you know you've had Mm. a head start in life uh, white privilege you have the privilege because of your skin color and i just need you to see that i don't have that privilege i'm not asking you to pay for your ancestors sins i'm asking you to acknowledge them yes benefit from them yeah so that's and i think yeah that's definitely where i'm at is i just want people i don't need white people to feel bad for their what their ancestors did I want them you need to be aware. Yeah. I need them to be aware and know that they benefit from that because we could only heal together once that's acknowledged. Yeah. No, I entirely agree, dude. 100%. And I think there's so many more, I guess, conversations we could dive into. Like, I know personally there's still a lot I could branch off into from here, but I think we've we've spoken people's ears off enough <laughs> yeah and i might just have to invite you back or part two then if definitely. that's what it needs to be yeah definitely. i entirely agree it's uh yes it's still a very interesting time to be alive in and i remember yeah. a conversation um i was having like a couple of years ago whatever about this whole idea of oh but you're at a private school so clearly like you're just as white privileged as I am, you know? No, definitely. And exactly, definitely not. And I think something interesting to understand in that as well was like, I guess, the timeline, how you step back a generation and not much changes for a lot of our white peers, you know? Like you still have mothers who graduated from Rodine, you still have fathers who were St. John's old boys. And then if you take that step back, like in, I guess, a black context, there was a fight Yeah. There was my mother having to walk like all the way from her house, like over the hills and what, what, what with her brother because they couldn't go to the closest school because that was a white people's school. And that's a true story. So it's things like that that are like, I'm first generation of this in my family and you're not. And that's what makes me being here different from you being here. Exactly. Is your... You're not a legacy, you know? Yeah, I'm not a legacy kid. And those are the things that don't get addressed or understood when people refuse to see race, you know? Definitely. And I think it's really good that we're having conversations like this. Really? I hope people are listening because that would I be really so. good to get those insights as well. And I'm, I'm so thankful you were here, friend. Thank you. Like, so I, I really can't wait to do this again. I really enjoyed this. It was so great. did I. Awesome. Getting to <laughs> offload all those things that we feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think we still need to start taking these up the relevant avenues as well. But yes, we can't complain and complain, and they're not like you know. We need to actually do anything, yeah. Forward and saying, okay, this is my complaint because we can only complain amongst amongst each other for so long. For so long, entirely, dude. Genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. The only thing that's really going to help is speaking up. Whether that makes you crazy, whether it makes you anything, it's fine. Definitely. Like until systems collapse and change, this is our superpower, you know? Definitely. And so that was, I think that's really, that's why I'm trying to really start complaining about these things, not just ranting to my friends, because how is the. Yeah, and shamelessly, dude. Exactly. How is the institution supposed to know if we don't speak out? 
if we don't and speak. I feel like this thing of like only speaking to each other also like undermines us a lot more because by the time we finally built the courage to like say something it's always like they've also had the time to come up with excuses to further ignore us oh why didn't you report when it happened or what are we supposed to do about that now or we can't force people to change this podcast was brought to you by the Johannesburg Junior Council in partnership with Red Radio